Welcome to the Growth Exponential Podcast. Today we have our special guest, Scott Goldstein, who is the Executive Director of Empower Ed, which elevates the voices of, a div- of diverse DC teachers to promote a more equitable education system. Scott, I welcome you today. The way we're going to structure it is first, I want to hear about your story and are super curious about that. And then we're going to learn more about Empower Ed. So let's get started. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I'll start going back to how I got into education to begin with. So I, um, I'm in Washington, D.C., uh, studied here at American University, not intending to go uh, into education, though I come from a family of educators. So perhaps some of it was just in the blood and destined to be. Uh, I studied international affairs, uh, international service at American University as an undergraduate, switched kind of uh, last minute uh, at the end of my senior year, uh, started getting credits in education and completed a five-year master's program in secondary education uh, on the way into the classroom. So I taught uh, all in all for 10 years, most of that here in D.C. I taught basically in every kind of school you could think of. I taught at a private school for a year. I taught at a charter school for four years. I taught in D.C. public schools for a few years. Um, and I also taught for two years abroad out of the country in a few different um, countries. So seen a lot of different educational settings in that time. Um, and so Scott, tell, tell me like what were, that's really fascinating that you got to see these different settings. How would you say they, they compared to each other or, or added to your educational journey? Yeah, so it was really interesting and, you know, especially that experience abroad. Um, but you know, the, the bulk of my experience at the uh, beginning of my career was at a charter school, which was really unique, which was serving mostly recent immigrants into the country, um, a very mission-driven, family-oriented kind of place. I started as 60 students when I entered, ended up with over 400 by the time I left. So that was growth exponential uh, in a in a charter school. And, um, and so, but it was really mission-driven. People really wanted to be there for the students that we were serving. I taught social studies in Spanish, which was different, and, and ESL classes. Um, students preparing to get their GED in Spanish. Ended up later teaching in public schools where I tried to start my teaching career, but because of a lot of local education changes here, that got thrown off my initial plan. Um, And my years abroad were very interesting in different settings. I taught for a year in Peru, and then my wife, who's also a teacher, and I just kind of quit our jobs and ran away after we got married and taught in three different countries, working with local nonprofits for a year. So we were in Indonesia for four months, in Togo and West Africa for three months, and in Mexico for three months, uh, in all different kinds of schools. We're working with teachers on just kind of basic pedagogy training uh, in places where, like in Togo, for example, teachers went into the classroom having almost no experience uh, or, or study of pedagogy or, or, or teaching. And so totally different experiences, um, you know, everything from schools where, you know, uh, very punitive corporal punishment, for example, was the norm, right, to schools where there were 100 students in a classroom, to small schools that I taught in, uh, the private school that I was at the first year when I taught, where we'd have a few kids in one class and the same at the charter school, and there's very individualized attention. And so very different um, circumstances, and that gave me some sense of uh, being able to back up a little bit and think about what schools are doing well uh, in comparison to each other and what's really important uh, in getting education right. That's amazing. And then after you got back from your journeys teaching abroad, what what was your path as far as what, what happened next in your life? Yeah, so when I got back from teaching abroad, I ended up at the school that I first wanted to teach at. And so I'll, I'll 
go back a little bit in that story. Um, I came into teaching in D.C. in 2007 uh, when D.C. education kind of took the national spotlight uh, when uh, Mayor Adrian Fenty here appointed a school chancellor named Michelle Rhee, who appeared on the cover of Time magazine with a broom and an infamous image sweeping out all the bad teachers and principals. Um, so it was a hell of a year for D.C. education. And uh, I was um, one of those people not uh, currently in the system, but got swept out on my way in. So I, I applied to teach in the public schools coming out of my master's program, and all new hires were canceled, uh, and the school completely restructured on the way in. So I scrambled, had a month to find a job, and ended up at this small private school for a year. Um, wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, so I uh, got my ESL certification and went abroad. Um, to teach after that. And so years later, seven years later, I ended up reapplying to that same public school where I wanted to start uh, my career and ended up teaching there uh, for a a few years um, at Roosevelt High School here in D.C. Really enjoyed that experience, but also there are parts of that experience that led me to the work that I'm doing now. What are some of the things that, that came up that really led to what you're doing now? So um, there's enormous teacher turnover in Washington, D.C. It's among the highest teacher turnover in the country. 25% of our teachers leave our schools year to year. 33% leave year to year in our highest need, lowest performing schools. And my school was a prime example of that. So the school that I was at, we had anywhere from a third to a half of the teachers leaving every year in the three years that I was at that school. Um, And really what led me to do the work that I'm doing now is seeing some of these teachers, bedrocks of the school, bedrocks of their school, of their communities, some of whom had been there for 20, 25 years and were every bit uh, the definition of the school as anyone, um, not feel valued, start to leave the school, and the same on the other end of the spectrum with those first, second, third year teachers who come in guns blazing and ready to take on urban education and are gone in a couple of years. And so what was really heartbreaking to me was hearing students say to new teachers coming in the door, why should I trust you? You're not going to be here in a year anyway. And it was even more crushing that half the time they were right. Um, And so seeing that enormous teacher turnover in my school and knowing that there was so much we could do about it. And then in fact, from what I knew from my colleagues at that school and schools across the district was that not only was um, this preventable, but in fact, teachers were trying to stay for the students and they were leaving for adult reasons. And so what I knew is that if we could solve the adult reasons among the adults, we could better serve the kids. And that's really why I got into this work. That's amazing. That's amazing. And and how did you, what's the backstory of Empower Ed? How did it come about? Like, um, so I was sitting on my couch brainstorming. <laughs> uh, you know, it was a slow process of thinking about why teachers don't have the kind of voice they should in education um, and what we could do about it. Um, you know, teaching is the largest unionized profession in the country, and yet we still have a lot of teachers who feel like they don't have any say. Uh, in their workplace. Uh, In fact, a Gallup poll conducted about four or five years ago now found that teachers said they had less of a say in their workplace than any other profession. Um, And so why why did that exist, right? And so uh, thinking about that for a long time and knowing that a lot of the reasons teachers were leaving were one, a lack of trust with their administrators uh, and kind of feelings of professional respect, but also the lack of ability to have voice and to take on leadership roles without leaving the classroom. And that's exactly the situation I was in. I wanted to take on some kind of leadership role, but I didn't want to stop teaching. Um, and too many teachers are forced into that dilemma, where if they want to grow in their careers, 
um, they're forced to move up to be an administrator. And that's a lot of times not what they want. They want to continue to teach while they lead. Um, and so that's really what we're about is how can teachers stay in the classroom while having some voice, not just in their school, but in district policies to solve some of our most intransigent problems, like whether, why our schools are so segregated, uh, why our teacher workforce is not as diverse as our student population and so on. Now, you mentioned that in the school system, so many teachers have the, the desire to continue to interact with the students that they were driven to serve in the first place and not step into administration. I very much understand that I taught special education for nine years. And so it was, it was definitely, definitely a major thing. And then did my, my doctoral work in uh, and I created a teacher burnout scale for special educators because wow. we're facing very much the same issues. Uh, so, so how for you does it does Empower Ed fill that need to engage with students and otherwise? So we do two things. We know that teachers leave for a couple primary reasons, and there are a lot of reasons. But two things I mentioned, which come up in every kind of set of exit surveys, are a lack of trust uh, with administrators or not feeling supported by administrators. And you're kind of on a spectrum there where younger teachers want more support and veteran teachers want more autonomy, but something about their relationship with administrators. And the second thing being a lack of voice. Um, and leadership opportunities. So those are the two things we take on. We have teacher leader roles, a teacher fellowship now where we have teachers across the city and a teacher council that is uh, representative of our city uh, uh, in terms of both grade level, elementary, middle, and high, DCPS, our public school, traditional public schools and our charter schools, and is racially and geographically mirroring our city and our student population. And so um, we work with teacher fellows, so not only they can get uh, educated themselves and grow in their careers and learn about education policy, but not only to be learning about it, as many fellowships do, but actually to be active in it while we're studying, right? So um, involved in active advocacy campaigns, and that's a big part of what we do on topics like teacher retention, on topics like school integration. Um, the other part of what we do is try to help schools better teacher retention um, by building trust between um, teachers and their administrators and build um, kind of the social emotional skills that we try to work with students on with our staffs as well. And that's kind of a, a burgeoning area of work that we're looking to get more into now. now you've got a lot going on with your, with your nonprofit. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that wonder, how does someone get started in that? Like, how did you know where to start? And, and what did that journey look like as far as things that work, things that didn't work? How did you, how did you determine those pieces? Yeah, look, I mean, I think my life philosophy is always a little bit of fake until you make it. So I think, uh, I think probably where we started was uh, there's not an organization doing this. We're the ones doing it, right? And shouting from the rooftops that we're the ones doing it now. You give a name for yourself. You got a website that looks official and then you just start doing it, right? And I, I, I think that's kind of where the journey started was establishing ourselves and connecting with teachers who felt the same way. Um, and being true to who we are, which was being led by teachers, um, which has meant uh, in some ways that we have stayed small intentionally, right? So I am the only um, only staff person as the executive director, and I'm only 50% time. I do other work um, still for money. So we, we have some money left in the budget to do our programs. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there are opportunities, and maybe we can get in deeper to this, but there are opportunities that come along for funding um, that 
you know, we have to say no to to stay true to our mission, right? Um, and I think that's really hard in a space where I'm sure a lot of executive directors deal with this. Um, education money uh, is pretty ideological, right? So um, if if you are being if you're seen as on a certain side of the debate, if you're seen as being uh, for one kind of school over another, et cetera, et cetera, there's there's money that's very directed to the kind of education advocacy they want you to do. And other than that, there's not much money in education advocacy, right? And so um, what we've tried to do is make sure we're true to the mission of teacher leadership by ensuring that as we grow, and this is how we got started, just expanding our reach teacher to teacher, right? That teachers are telling other teachers about what we're doing, that they feel some camaraderie when they get together, that they feel like they really have leadership over this. So we have a lot of roles that sound like they're staff roles, but they're actually filled by teachers, which is what who are active teachers, uh, which is our way of walking the walk, right? Because uh, these teachers are active in their roles and they don't have to leave the classroom and they get some say uh, in the city. Uh, and so uh, that's the kind of work we're trying to do. And and we scale it up uh, by connecting teachers to other teachers and having them spread the message and having them own the mission. So you're doing a lot on the, the grassroots, empower local level and helping them spread your mission as far as what EmpowerEd is all about. How did you decide to go as a nonprofit rather than a for-profit consultancy? Yeah, I think a for-profit consultancy would have, would say that, you know, me as the founder, the people who built our team have all the answers, um, and uh, we're going to present those answers to you as a school, you pay us a good chunk of money, right? Um, And while we're starting to do work with schools, that has been based on, you know, two and a half years now of teachers telling us what kind of work we should be doing with schools. And so the idea of being a nonprofit is that what we're really about is community building among the teachers and gaining ideas from the grassroots and then trying to use those ideas or bring those ideas to schools. Um, And so really the the purpose of being a nonprofit is – you know, what we're really about is the cause, right? And I think um, that's what that's what it means in some ways to be a nonprofit, right? We're driven by the mission, by the cause that we're after. And any advocacy that we do to advance that, right, um, is not because we're a political action committee, right? And our goal is mainly political. And it's not because um, we are a consultancy and our goal is to gain money from schools. The goal is to advance the mission that the teachers establish. And as far as on the as a nonprofit on the fundraising side, um, how how does your revenue break down, or what does that look like? Yeah, so our money is almost entirely individual. We have one uh, relatively small grant from a foundation, um, and all of our money beyond that is individual. So we have a few large donors and a lot of small donors. Um, that's grown over the past couple of years. We've more than doubled last year the amount of small donors um, giving to us, and I'm talking about people giving fifty to a hundred dollars. And most of our money gets generated every year from a Giving Tuesday campaign and then a, a spring fundraiser that we started doing um, last year, as well as uh, individual donors who are connected to our message. And we're starting to build a strategy out now of sustaining donors who are giving in slightly larger amounts, giving $1,000 or $2,000 a year um, to sustain our work. But we're really driven by this strategy of individual donors because not only uh, can it be potentially much more sustainable, but we are beholden uh, to uh, the teachers and their efforts and uh, and not uh, a few foundations who are giving us most of the money who may have uh, an agenda. And so... Um, so there's certainly, you know, the goal to diversify in funding, and we want the foundation support in addition to individuals and in our work with schools, um, and that's all, all three pieces are part of that. Um, but our largest uh, piece has always been individuals. 
Amazing. And what's, what's your vision for Empower Ed? Like where, where would you want to be in five years from now? Yeah, so our vision is that we're making a substantial impact on a couple of things. One, teachers are feeling not only more satisfied, but that they have a voice in their work, that they can take on leadership roles and have a say in education policy, and that their voices better our system uh, and improve educational outcomes for all kids in D.C. The second goal is to reduce teacher retention so that these uh, so improve teacher retention and uh, reduce teacher attrition so that these teachers are staying in these schools for our students. Um, a lot of people aren't worried about teacher retention when they view it as an ineffective teacher leaving and maybe an effective teacher is coming in their place or maybe a teacher just moved from one school to a different school. What we look at is what does this mean to students, right? If a teacher leaves one school uh, and goes to another school, that still hurts the students at the school that they left. Uh, students need relationships with positive adult mentors in their lives, uh, and, and they need them in D.C., honestly, much more than I did where, where I grew up, um, where I could kind of expect that in many parts of my life. Uh, and so the reality is we're trying to keep teachers in schools, uh, in their schools, for their students, so that those when their students graduate from high school, they could go back and visit that kindergarten teacher who's still teaching in that school. Um, that When they graduate high school, the teacher that had them in ninth grade can write them a college recommendation letter. Um, and so that's what's important to the kids, and that's the kind of retention we're focused on and, and where we want to make a, a big impact in the next five years. Do you have a specific story that you could share with us about how you've made an impact so far? whether on the side of a teacher or a student, something along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there are many. I think there are a lot of teachers, uh, 100% of our teachers who participated last year said that um, in this, you know, they gained leadership from, from this work. It made them uh, more likely to kind of stay invested in education, learned about education policy. And, you know, there are, there are success stories on either end of the spectrum. So we have, you know, uh, a teacher who was involved with our efforts last year, uh, really uh, got um, his feet under him in terms of education policy, got connected to local stakeholders and has now moved into the policy arena as making a difference here uh, as a student advocate. Uh, and then we have others uh, for whom, you know, they've kind of grown in their role and desire to stay in the classroom and really taken on an incredible leadership responsibility and shaken things up locally. Some of whom who have become, uh, you know, huge kind of grassroots organizers at the local level while staying involved in the classroom who are now respected by a wide range of advocates. And so one of the big successes that we've had so far as an organization is working with local partners like the State Board of Education here to put a focus on teacher retention. And one of the things we've been able to do is kind of put aside some of the debates about um, you know, for years, there were folks in the system saying, we actually were doing a great job retaining our teachers. State Board did some great research that showed actually that's not the case, and we need to do a lot of work on that. But in our work together with them, what we were able to do is say, you know, put aside whether you think we're doing a good job year to year or if they're ineffective or effective teachers. Are we doing a good job keeping effective teachers for the long term? And we're able to gain some consensus between teachers and policy leaders on, on the fact that that's a challenge that needs addressing. And so one of the things we've been able to do is directly connect teachers to lawmakers. And now what I think where we've seen the success is, you know, we have teachers who on their own set up meetings with the deputy mayor of education or with city council members or with state board members because they've grown in their leadership and they feel confident in bringing their voices directly to those uh, policyholders. And even some who are thinking about challenges uh, thinking about um, taking on laws that prohibit them from running for office while they're a teacher, um, for example. So we've seen growing ambition in these teachers um, and the ability to kind of challenge the status quo. 
That's amazing. Now, how, how is it that someone can get involved with your organization or is there a way that they can reach you or learn more? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is www.weareempowered.org. Uh, so that's the best place to go. You can look uh, and find out a lot about us. We have a very large social media uh, presence within the DC community. So you can look on Twitter at EmpowerEdDC. Um, and, and look at our website. If you're a local DC teacher and want to get involved, there's plenty of ways to get involved. We have monthly teacher council meetings coming up on Saturday, October 19th. We have a teacher organizing summit where we have teachers from across the city come together to set our advocacy agenda for the year. And there's always ways to be involved as a teacher leader at your own school. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Scott, for being on the Growth Exponential podcast. I'm really excited to follow your work, and I'm sure so many others are as well. And um, I wish you tremendous success in all of your worthy endeavors. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. If you know a nonprofit professional that I should interview, email me at bradley at growthexponential.org.